Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and a very happy and festive holiday season to you. This is your culinary culture and lifestyle show that celebrates food and wine, health, travel, cocktails, and all things delicious. It's a place for people who love to eat and have a passion for food and cooking. And I'll keep you updated on the food scene. We'll take deep explorations of a broad range of culinary topics every week, so please stay tuned because... You just might learn something scrumptious. Oh, and set your culinary sights higher, why don't you? Because we're sharing inspired recipes worthy of celebrations all throughout this month, dressing your holiday table, and giving you a reason to overeat. I mean, who needs a reason for that, right? (laughs) I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com and you'll find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where I hope you'll become a friend and a fan at Chef Jamie Gwen. So let's get this party started, shall we? I have grand guests coming up, but I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts, one that makes you the best cook you know. And I am often asked, and it seems to be mostly around the holiday season, what my best go-to ingredient is for glorious meals, or even better yet, glorious dishes. And my first answer is always puff pastry, the store-bought kind. Yes, when you need pastry or pie dough in a hurry, I think that frozen puff pastry is the king of chef-loved convenience foods. It's incredibly versatile. It can be used to make a huge array of appetizers, main courses, even sweets. And of course, puff pastry is the traditional French pastry, rather, made of layers of butter and dough. And it's used to make a variety of some of mine, and I'm sure yours, favorite classic French pastries like croissant and Napoleon, which we all love. But there are simpler sweet and savory applications that will make baking a crispy, buttery dream in just minutes. Now, did you make a turkey pot pie to use up those leftovers after Thanksgiving? Well, then I'm sure you used puff pastry. Or do you plan for a baked brie in puff pastry with tequila cranberry chutney like I do? I think that the elegant starter that always gets rave reviews, that which is baked brie, always wows guests. Or maybe a caramelized onion, apple, and white cheddar turnover could be savory or sweet no matter what you fill it with is the best secret to using store-bought puff pastry to make for an outstanding deliverable. Now, there are many ways that you can use puff pastry in the kitchen, of course, whether it's that pot pie or volovant or quiche or a Wellington. And you can also make the sweet bakery quality treats like pommiers and I love that French puff pastry cookie, fancy cheese straws. And I really believe that puff pastry makes everyone think you're a master baker. So if conquering the art of using puff pastry tickles your fancy, I have some tricks for getting the best results from what is a very versatile 
dough. Now, most often you'll find puff pastry store-bought in the freezer. And you want to take the puff pastry out of the freezer 30 minutes before you want to use it, at least, or thaw it overnight in the box. But do not remove it from its sealed paper that it's wrapped in until you're ready to use it. Now, mind you, you have a couple days in the fridge, but not more than that, as it does tend to age. Now, most pre-made puff pastry comes in sheets that are folded unless you buy the fabulously fancy and wonderful kind that comes flat and you have a place to store that in your freezer. Most often you'll see that three-fold letter, right? I recommend you do not, and I repeat, do not try to unfold the sheets straight from the freezer. The pastry will crack, but there is a fix. If the dough cracks, you dampen your fingers with a little bit of water and you gently press the puff pastry back together and then you roll it out to seal the fix. Now, to resist sticking, I always dust my work surface with flour, even though the puff pastry comes lightly floured. And I do keep a clean, dry pastry brush nearby to brush off any excess flour from the dough. And once you've rolled it out or you've cut the dough, let's say, into desired shapes, if it starts to soften before you're finished preparing it for the oven, my best tip is to tell you to put it back in the refrigerator for a few minutes. Not only is puff pastry easier to work with when it's cold, it bakes up far better when it's cold. So here's the best example. I made these pastelitos this past week. They're posted on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. They're these puff pastry turnovers, essentially, in Cuban pastry style. And they are a three-ingredient wonder. They're filled with a piece of brie cheese, rind removed, and a piece of Melissa's Produce new guava paste. Now, you know I love Melissa's. They've been a longtime supporter of this show. And this guava paste is just decadently delicious and full of flavor. And in that pastelitos style, I filled the puff pastry and I sealed the edges and I brushed them with egg wash. And by the time I was done... The puff pastry was rather warm, so I placed my pastelitos or my little triangles or turnovers on a baking sheet lined with parchment paper as if I were preparing to bake, which I was, and I put the baking sheet in the refrigerator. I waited about 15 minutes or so until the puff pastry firmed up again and was cold to the touch, and I'll tell you, I got the most beautiful rise. It's really all about putting cold puff pastry into a hot oven to get that beautiful puff. So consider using puff pastry for a tomato strudel with goat cheese and niçois olives or mini caramelized onion tarts with bacon and gorgonzola for a really easy hors d'oeuvre. For a quick indulgent dessert, a fancy easy appetizer, I really don't think that frozen puff pastry can be beat. So I'd love to know what you make from frozen to fabulous. Let me know via email, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com because I'd love to dish with you. Coming up before the end of the hour, I'm going to share a recipe for pistachio blue cheese and fig puff pastry twists. They are simple and sensational. It's my last bite of the hour and you won't want to miss it. So please stay tuned. All right. A quick mention here. It's time for food news this week. This is some news you can use because I have a secret. In 20 years on the radio, I have never shared this. 
But ask any chef and they have a secret indulgence. And so you should know mine. I have a happy meal every year on my birthday. I do. I love the cheeseburger. I want fries, not apple slices. Thank you. And it's my Mickey D's indulgence. And it is quite possibly the most legendary fast food in the world, right? Well, if you want Mickey D's for life, you have to admit, even if you're not a McDonald's fan, I mean, being able to drop into thousands of locations across the country for a free anything for the rest of your life would be really cool to boast about. Yes, they are offering a dozen what are called Mick Gold cards this holiday season that grant you free food for life at McDonald's. And their first giveaway starts this week. So you need to have the McDonald's app. Check it out. I hope you win. Can't wait to have my happy meal on you. (laughs) And that is some news you can use. All right, coming up, there's a whole lot more of that, in fact. David Leet, our resident gourmand, stopping by to dish on, oh, National Cookie Day. It just makes you happy saying it, doesn't it? Whether it's a cookie swap or baking with your kids or you're planning a big cookie celebration, you're going to want to hear the best cookies from David's holiday repertoire. But before that, I am delighted that she is sitting down to dish. She's back, Vicki Benison of Great Pasta Granny's fame. She first captured our hearts in videos on the YouTube channel, her research project, right? Well, it's gotten so much bigger than that. And these grannies, specifically native to Italy, making their own pasta by hand daily, are highlighted for their beautiful passion. And so we are going to nod to them. Coming up, Vicki Benison, Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking, and more fabulous food in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go. most wonderful time of the year and food is life so create and savor yours welcome back chef jamie gwen in your radio december 4th is national cookie day i'm not sure that december needs a designated day to celebrate cookies since the whole month is about cookies right but nonetheless it's a wonderful time to start thinking about what holiday cookies you want to make with and for your family and friends this year And who better to bring you cookie inspiration than David Leet? 
He's the three-time James Beard award-winning food writer and the founder of Leet's Culinaria, where he shares hot food and dry wit. Also the author of The New Portuguese Table and his memoir entitled Notes on a Banana. And David is an expert on many things, which is why I am so very grateful that he acts as our resident guru of deliciousness here on the show for many years, in fact. His blog has been much adored for its deliciousness since 1999, and so our culinary contributor is back this month with cookie inspiration and ready to dish. Very happy holidays, my friend. Are you chomping on a cookie as we speak? No, I'm not. I need to keep everything kind of clear so I can speak properly yes. and clearly, but no, no cookie yet. No, okay, but they're in the works. You did a, oh, a yes, beautiful sir. cookie collaboration, and uh, there's so much cookie insight on lccooks.com right now. I'd like to start with the concept of a holiday cookie swap, please, because I thought we'd swap over the radio waves. But just give us the lowdown on cookie swaps this year. Sure. Well, I think um, you had mentioned one time when we were speaking that because of COVID, everybody got into cookie swapping, (laughs) which is true. But I have found in the last, like, eight, ten years that these things have turned into cloak and dagger operations. Oh, no doubt. You know, search and destroy. Everyone's so competitive. (laughs) When I grew up, we didn't have cookie swaps. People just kind of dropped by, handed you a tin, and wished you Merry Christmas. Right. And I remember those tins. They were always either the dance. Danish cookie tins or the Walker shortbread cookie tins. Oh, reuse and it. Don't, right. Don't waste exactly. it. Exactly. They were yes. usually from the year before. And, you know, I remember you know, you'd open it up again. There'd be all these cookies. They'd be wrapped in, in waxed paper. That was mm. the preferred wrapping yes. that you had for these cookies. And there were all different kinds inside. Sometimes there were the Venetian uh, cookies, the Italian three-color cookies, and mm. all different kinds. Um, and I <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I had this candle of Jesus with the exploding heart yes. on my bureau, and I would pray to him every year that if I got the Hershey chocolate kisses cookies, oh, the that peanut I'd be a butter boy for the entire year. Yes, yes the peanut and butter one. That, <laughs> so that was sure. your cookie of choice. And today, that is that a peanut butter blossom on your website? I saw those. Yes, it's called the peanut butter blossom cookies. That's another name for them. And in the one on the website, they've kind of gone high-end. It's from Michael Anthony from the Gramercy Tavern Cookbook yes. and uses guitar uh, discs, mm. but you can certainly use the Hershey Kisses. I mean, that's like, you know, that's a kickback from the old days. Yes, of course. How about you? What's your, what's your cookie of choice? Uh, my holiday cookie memory is mm. one that we just pat well not we we'll do it again this year coming up but last year with the fir- was the first year for my son which would be fourth generation um yeah my mom when i was growing up always made spritz cookies and my mother has oh, oh the best my mother has my grandmother's original cookie press it's mm-hmm. you know don't squeeze too hard it's like you know tin aluminum <laughs> And it has those round discs that fit in so you can change the design. My mom makes this soft butter cookie dough and we used to color it and your hands would be pink and lilac for days. Today you do it in a zipper bag. It's easy. And my son will, that cookie press has to be, David, almost 100 years old now. My son will be fourth generation to make spritz cookies. And I love them. And like you said, my mom would pack them in little baggies Mm-hmm. And she would leave them 
Um, or we would go to the door and knock and we would give yeah. them to neighbors and friends yeah. and they were to be safe. I mean, everyone savored them. They were to be savored. Yes, they were. And, and you know, it's interesting with us back in the day, now I'm talking about the 60s, that there was not an expectation of I'm going to come in and spend an hour with you having cookies, no. having cookies and coffee. It's <laughs> I'm true. dropping this off and I've got another 15 or 20 more to go. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And I happen to like the cookie swap idea without the competitive nature, as you mentioned, that mm-hmm. I, I made a gift of food for you and, and mm-hmm. here, please enjoy. And if you go to the dollar exactly. store today, you can buy, I think tins are a wonderful way to maintain the freshness of cookies. And that's a good conversation are. to have. Are you a tin guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still use wax paper for its melancholy history? Well, it's interesting you talk about that because we did buy wax paper recently because I use it, I'll use it for cookies, but I'll also use it now for other things because I don't like using saran wrap. Mm. And I find like we wrap our cheeses yes. in wax paper. Yes. And as opposed to the plastic and stuff. So we're using uh, wax paper a lot more than we used to. I like it. I, I happen to think there's something kind of throwback fabulous about wax paper. It really is. Yeah. And so then I prefer, I like tins. I, I do I like do too. tins. I think they're lovely. And if you have a cookie jar and you have a moist cookie, I still put a piece of wheat bread, white bread, wet bread, you know, like the, yes. the, soft, the soft kind, yeah. into the right. cookie jar to maintain moisture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, it, and it works great. Um, okay, it mo- really does. More cookies. Um, let's see. If you were to, okay, you're going to keep all the peanut butter blossoms to yourself. So if you were yes, to I swap am. a cookie with me, what would you give me? You know, there is, I don't know if you ever have ever made them. We call it, on the site, it's called Cashew Caramel Cracker Bars, and they're made with a layer of saltines, and then on top of that Mm. is caramel, Mm. and on top of that is melted chocolate, and then on top of that is chopped roasted nuts. Yes. And I love them. I mean, it's kind of like a bark, but it's got that nice sort of texture from the saltines, and it's a little bit salty, and Mm. I love those. So I would want to share those, because those also harken back to when I was a kid too. Thank you for continuing to share your knowledge and your passion here on the radio. You know how grateful I am to have you as a culinary contributor here. And I hope you know how proud I am to call you my friend and to be called your friend. And I hope that you will continue with us in 2023 uh, as the eat goes on. I would love to. And I just want to say thank you for a whole year of delicious conversations with you because it's always the highlight of my month. Oh, and I appreciate that. Thank you kindly. It is for me as well. I learned so much from you. There is such an extraordinary resource in lccooks.com. It's Leet's Culinaria. It is uh, one of, if not the most beloved resource on the internet for recipes that are tried and true and spectacular. And it is, of course, brought to you by David Leet. And you can follow David on social at David Leet, L-E-I-T-E. Stay tuned for more inspiration in 2023. David, love you, hugs, happy cookies, and um, I'll send you, you I'll send you pictures. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. As the delicious conversation continues, we do have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show. And there's more to dig your teeth into right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away.
Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The most passionate food lovers listen here. Oh, and of course, they are pasta granny addicted. The pasta grannies captured our hearts when they were featured by Vicki Benison on their own YouTube channel, a research project that Vicki started to preserve the traditional ways of Italian food and cooking. Vicky had filmed more than 200 Italian grandmothers making pasta of every shape and style, and the videos served as this beautiful historical dedication to the talent and the passion of these beautiful pasta grannies. Well, Vicky has graced this show before, and I am beyond excited to have her back. As the creator of the highly successful Pasta Grannies with nearly 2 million followers across YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, Vicky's first book was an extraordinary success. She came on this show to talk about it. It won a James Beard Award, uh, and it has been translated into six languages. And she is continuing the legacy for these pasta grannies with the release of her new book, Pasta Grannies Comfort Cooking. It is the second cookbook in the series. And what a beautiful way to celebrate great Italy. Vicki Benison joins us live. And again, I am delighted. Vicki, so grateful to have you back. And thank you for all of this beautiful continued work that you do. Well, thank you for inviting me back. And it's an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you. I know you don't consider it work. This was a passion project when it started. And you've brought us into the homes of so many grannies. And I, I would love you, please, if you would update us uh, and, and tell us how your escapades continue. <laughs> well, um, I'm about to go off to um, Aosta, actually, which is the very northwest of Italy uh, next week. So um, oh. we still haven't covered all of Italy. Um, we're still visiting all the sort of uh, country lanes and obscure regions in, in search of pastas. Um, but also we film other things like cheese production, um, visiting rice producers, um, and to, to discover what traditional recipes they have up their sleeves. Hmm. Um, so that is what um, is in the second book. It's not just pastas. There are other things in it like pizza, and pies and risotto and um, the book is called Comfort Cooking because people wrote into me and said how much um, pleasure and comfort they got from watching the grannies um, through the pandemic and so I thought that was a great name Comfort Cooking and so you know things like risotto are very comforting it's that lovely hit of carbohydrate and fat (laughs) (laughs) yes there's something wonderfully rustic and warming about it you have brought yes. comfort to so many. I think it's very extraordinary that you've taken us into the kitchens in, in so many nooks and crannies of Italy of these extraordinarily yes. talented cooks. And they are all women. And as you say, once in a while, a man graces the, uh, the TV shot or the video shot or, you know, sits down in the kitchen uh, a, a son or a husband or a, a mm-hmm. grandson, right? Uh, but th- the way that you have celebrated women, the way that you have honored these women through food is 
just extraordinary. And I, I think it's a, a, a sentiment to really the, the heart and soul of the kitchen, right? You've kept these uh, recipes alive as they have. And there's something just so beautiful about that. I think it's a, a gentle reminder for our own homes to really savor that time. Absolutely, yes. Um, uh, one of the key things about that is, um, well, two things. Uh, one is is make sure that they are center stage. Um, I occasionally pop out from behind the camera, but actually, I give I give the stage, if you like, give the kitchen to them and. And they dictate how and when things get done, and we work around them. Um, and the other thing is that it's very important to film um, our lovely ladies in their own homes mm-hmm. and their own kitchens. Um, because as soon as, we, you know, sometimes they move to their daughter's kitchen because someone thinks it's smarter or something like that. <laughs> and actually, then they start worrying about where the knife is um you know will the daughter mind if she does it this way and uh, you know instantly there's a little bit of tension and anxiety so we like to keep them in their own homes Hmm. um so you know and we film in real time we don't make them rehearse or anything like that so we try and keep it like a conversation rather than you know summoning them to a studio yes the equivalent of that and it's heartwarming. And to see the skill, it's mesmerizing to me, Vicky. I've followed since the beginning, you know. And to see the skill <laughs> of, of talent of these grannies, these nonas, as they're called. Um, this book is really a beautiful representation of much more than pasta. And it's, it's heartwarming, the stories. It's delicious for sure. And I would like to start with a sweet, with dessert, if you don't mind, because it's the first page I came to I couldn't wait to make amongst the other 200. Um, but this chocolate pudding from uh, Piedmont, from Piedmonte, uh, a, a 93-year-old recipe, right, continuing to be passed down. Ida's chocolate, is it Bounet? I think it's Bunette. Bunette. <laughs> and and yes, I, <clears throat> delicious. Oh, that looks so delicious, Vicky. Bunette is a chocolate and hazelnut pudding. And Ida is um, one of our star grannies because we filmed her several times and making different recipes. And she mm-hmm. appears in both book one and book two, but with different recipes. Um, so this is her Bunette. Um, and it was given to her by her mother-in-law. So... And that's the I mean, best, the best part, right? Yes, and um, you know, it's completely ruined me for eating out. Uh, I can imagine, so no doubt. Um, can you? And I know all, all these recipes must. Uh, you can't have memorized all of them, but I, I'll try to bring uh, an idea to you. And if you would uh, just riff on it, uh, Proceda, yep. the tiny little island off of Naples. Uh, there's a spaghetti with lemon pesto. And, oh, that looks luscious. Oh, it's great. And it's ready in 10 minutes. It's Isn't a wonderful recipe. It's, it's, you can use, well, I often use um, walnuts with it. In winter, you use parsley. In summer, you can use um, basil. Mm. And the key is the, um, the peel of the lemon. Um, and for me, what you really should have is the sort of lemons from Amalfi and Procida. They're all these large, sweet lemons. I think Maya... Is it Maya, Maya lemons in the, in the States? Ah, uh, yes. Something you could use instead. Yes. 
And um, I, I, I clarify, Prochita, you said it's called. I've been to Amalfi, I'll tell you, the best limoncello ever. <laughs> yes. Yes, so yes, good. Very good. It's so good. Anyway, I mean, you, you have to experiment if you're using your own sort of ordinary lemons that you get from the supermarket. You might want to add a little bit of water or a little bit of sugar just to get that kind of mm. floral flavor coming through. Mm. Um, and uh, and then you just sort of blitz it all together and, and, and stir it through some spaghetti or bucatini, and it's, mm. it's completely delicious. Beautiful. I love the simplicity mm. of what the nonas share with you. I mean, there's an art and a science to it, no doubt. But the simplicity of, of the recipes, like uh, the bucatini with raw tomato sauce from Sicily, just the, the appreciation of the tomatoes. I remember sitting in Sicily. I'll tell you, it was the best tomato and the best fig I've ever had in my whole life. Well, uh, yes. You see, the, the great thing is that people have continued to um, have their own vegetable garden yes. where they can. Um, and so, and, you know, they have the sunshine and the soil. So, of course, these, these ingredients are, uh, you know, world class, completely brilliant. Um, in fact, one of the other um, grandmothers who appears in the book, Marietta, who's 99, um, she divides her time between Rome with her daughter and Calabria, where she, she uh, has lived most of her life. And uh, she takes her garden, her vegetable garden with her. When she's in Rome, she starts growing in flower pots on the roof terrace. Oh, isn't that fabulous? The absolute dedication to food. Oh, Vicky, I love all the stories. Such an extraordinary way to share passion. We'll take a quick break when we come back. More with Vicki Benison and the new Pasta Granny's Cookbook. Welcome back. Tis the season. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We are indulging in pasta because the pasta grannies capture our hearts and Vicki Benison continues their legacy. Pasta grannies, comfort cooking, the new cookbook just released. Vicki here to share. I happen to love an arancini a deep fried rice ball. And I wonder here in the States, Vicki, we talk much more about using it up, but they make risotto fresh and ragu beautifully and bechamel, right? To make these uh, Sicilian deep fried rice balls from scratch. Yes. 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 I think that, I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, So you do have to cool your rice first before you start sort of adding in the ragu and things. But um, 
Um, of course, there's nothing to stop you from, uh, you know, using your leftover risotto, but you've added other flavors for different times. Hmm. Okay, I would like one right now. And um, please <laughs> embellish on and tell us about the experience of making baked pasta from Palermo, that eggplant, the aubergine that lines the pasta yeah. reminds me, of course, of the movie Big Night, right? Where um, th- yeah. they made that, that beautiful uh, pasta timbal, if I'm not mistaken. I can't wait to make mm-hmm. this recipe. Yeah, this is wonderful. I mean, we, we came across Ada um, when she, I mean, it was actually through her daughter. We were staying in an agro-turismo, and when she found out um, what we were doing, she said, you have to, you have to film my mother. Um, and and so her very uh, startled mother found us on her doorstep the next morning, which was a Sunday morning. <laughs> I can only <laughs> so imagine. Is, the, the timbalo is, is, a, is a typical Sunday lunch um, in Palermo, Sicily. Um, and so in this book, uh, we tell you how to make the annalini by hand, but of course you can buy packet ones, which is what most people, most Sicilians do. Yes. But it's a ragu and it's lined, it's, it's, it's got, um, the fried aubergine or eggplant, um, they're through it as well as lined with it. And it's absolutely delicious. Oh my God. It looks like, I want to lick the page. It looks so delicious. This is a, a beautiful book that you continue to honor the nonas with. Um, And there are some really wonderful tips and uh, insight shared at the beginning of the book about essential tools for um, any great cook who wants to master pasta at home. I love how you talk about um, definitely needing to have those things that the nonas have proved to you uh, make for the best homemade pasta, whether it's a long rolling pin or you talk about a dowel or a pole. If you're just starting out, a pasta board is necessary. These are all tools of the trade. Yes, yes. I mean, of course, there are pastas that you don't need special equipment for, you know, things like cavatelli and the peachy, which... um, Hmm. This version in the book two is gnocchi lunghi. It has different names around different parts of Italy, uh, but it's essentially a hand-rolled spaghetti. Um, you, don't, you don't need the extra long um, pasta board um, for that. Um, and so th- those recipes are a good way to get started. Um, and if you think you're going to do it regularly, then it's worth, worth either making or buying um, a larger pasta board, unless you have a table, for example, that you can devote to making pasta. Yes, and, and they all... Which a lot of our ladies do. They all do. <laughs> oh, it's so fabulous to see. One of the coolest things about this book and your continued stories that you share is that every recipe in Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking, the second edition honoring nonas in Italy from Vicky Benison, is that each recipe has a QR code that will take you directly when scanned to the YouTube video. And it's, I think that's just so wonderful. You get a step-by-step from a nonna because of you, Vicky. And we can't thank you enough for that. To chronicle, to chronicle these recipes, the history, the legacy, the dedication, uh, just so extraordinary. Well, thank you. Yes, the QR codes are um, a great innovation, I think. Yes. Um, because not only, um, you know, we, we try to get as many portraits of, of uh, our ladies as possible, but not everything's one. So it's a great way of meeting them hmm. uh, whilst you're making, the, uh, making or reading about the recipes. 
Yes. And it is always wonderful to connect with you. We thank you for continuing to share the stories. Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking is more than just a cookbook. It is rich with personality and endearment. It is heartwarming. It is full of glorious recipes that would never otherwise be shared, really. And so whether you're reading or cooking from the book, you will be transported to a kitchen in Italy um, that I am oh so envious that Vicky has graced. And you will get a taste of authentic Italian fare made with the love of a nonna. What could be better than that? Please order the book for your own collection or consider it for uh, the food lover in your life as a a glorious gift this holiday season from the James Beard award-winning author, Vicki Benison, deliciously comforting and just so beautiful. The book is called Pasta Granny's Comfort Cooking, the second in the series. And Vicki, we wish you continued uh, safe travels and um, delicious escapades. Thank you again for sharing all of this wonderfulness with us. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I love talking with you. (laughs) And so that was your quick fix of culinary entertainment for this week. And I do hope that I fed your soul. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for this hour. I hope that you kicked off the show with me and you know now about my love for frozen puff pastry. I have an easy to make pastry twist that simply rolls out store-bought puff pastry, tops it, twists it, and bakes it. And they are simple and sensational. They're pistachio blue cheese and fig puff pastry twists. You need a package of frozen puff pastry, some fig jam, crumbled blue cheese, and toasted pistachios. Oh, and an egg wash just to, you know, dress them up. And they bake in less than 15 minutes until puffed and golden. And oh, they're so good. I'm posting the recipe now on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you here next weekend when I do guarantee there is lots more fabulous food and wine to sip and savor and celebrate in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 